Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE, and it is week zero. That's right. We have actual, real-life football on your screens and in person if you happen to be in Dublin or any of these other places, of course, this Saturday. It is going to be a magnificent welcoming back of this wonderful sport and we have got some picks and predictions for you, and we'll have them for the entire season. Let me go ahead and introduce our experts for the season. Welcoming back for season two here. Of course, we will start on the left side. Parker Fleming, I call him the numerical guru. He's our analyst, our numbers guy. You can follow him on Twitter at Stats of War. Parker, how are you? Gary, I'm great. I've been waiting for this, uh, waiting for this week for a long time. Happy to get into some games. Happy to be back for another full season with you and Kyle. Man, we're going to do some great content this fall. I'm feeling good about this season. Oh, yes. I feel the exact same way you do. And Kyle, I'm sure that you do as well. Let me go ahead and introduce you on the right side of your screen, our award-winning professional handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, week zero, it's just kind of a wet your appetite week. And then we have a bunch of big games next week. But man, is it going to feel great to have games on the TV this weekend? Hey, you got that right. It's some games that you may not normally watch once you get into October and November, but uh, but some teams that are certainly interesting, and we are going to get a first look at them, of course, on this Saturday. Let me go ahead and tell everybody, for the season, we will have shows on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, the show will be live right here on YouTube and, of course, on Twitter if you are following over there, but... Uh, the biggest thing for you to do to help the show grow, to help us out, if you like what we're putting out there, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and make sure that you jump into the chat. We do a Q&A at the end of every show. It's very easy to do. You just dive in, uh, put your question or put your picks or whatever, and we will run through them at the end of the show, see if we can answer some things that maybe we did not talk about as we were going live. So make sure you jump in the chat, like the video again, make sure and subscribe to the channel and share it out. Tell your friends. If you cannot catch the show on video, if it's much easier for you to do audio, you can, of course, catch the podcast as well. It is the BetUS football show available on any of your favorite podcast apps. So make sure that you are subscribed over there as well. Gentlemen, let's go ahead and dive into this thing. We're going to start off with the biggest one of the weekend. And it's a game over in Dublin, Ireland, Saturday, August 27th, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Northwestern takes on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And as of right now, Nebraska a 13-point favorite. Total sitting at 50 and a half. Scott Frost, this is uh, not his favorite time of year. He is 0-4 against the spread in season openers in the last four. Northwestern 2-2 two two against the spread in season openers in the last four years. Uh, last year, Nebraska absolutely walloped. These guys, 56 to 7. Uh, but you start looking at returning production numbers, you start looking at roster strength, et cetera. Everything kind of favors Nebraska again. But this is a team that did go three and nine last year. So we we have to take everything with a grain of salt. Uh you look at the the Scott Frost situation right now, had to take a, a lower uh, pay cut, I guess you could say. He had to take a lower salary in order to stay on at the job. Things are a little hairy. Kyle, I'm going to start off with you on this one. Northwestern does get the running back Cam Porter back to go along with Evan Hull. They seem to have a decent offensive line. How good is the quarterback Ryan Halinski, et cetera? Can Northwestern compete with Nebraska? Kyle, I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, so uh, to start off, Fitzgerald was great as an underdog for many years. Uh, you know, this was just an angle that was used by so many people. Uh, he's 46 and 37 as an underdog against the spread since 2008, but he did go two and six against the spread as an underdog last year. You know, I, I don't know what to make of Northwestern. I can't believe that defense was as bad as it was last year. I know they had a, a different defensive coordinator. You would certainly hope they'd be better, but Gary uh, mentioned the 56 to seven game last year, 427 rushing yards for Nebraska in that game. Just ridiculous. And Northwestern allowed 5.72 yards per carry in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, just a terrible run defense. They've always had a pretty good secondary under uh, Fitzgerald. They really weren't that good secondary-wise last year either. But uh, talent-wise, I don't really see anybody coming in for Northwestern that makes me be too excited that the defense is going to be a lot better. But 
I don't think that that defense can keep being that bad with Fitzgerald as the coach. So I would expect some uh, positive regression, I guess I'd say. But uh, Fitzgerald really likes his offensive line. He talked about how he thinks this is his best offensive line. Um, you know, Porter back from injury, like you said, I would think they'd want to try to run the football quite a bit in this game. Um, Holinsky has not impressed me all that much. Uh, Nebraska, you know, from the Nebraska side, is there really a lot positive going on there either? I mean, Scott Frost didn't exactly win in the media with his comments here recently, and and they haven't really won games when he's been there either. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him. I think Whipple was a good hire as an offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, Casey Thompson in for Adrian Martinez. Uh, I think Nebraska's offensive line is a weakness. We'll see how that kind of looks because Martinez was obviously far more um, of a scrambler. I think Thompson needs to get rid of the, the ball pretty quickly. I, to be honest with you, I really wouldn't want to bet on this game. I want to watch and learn about both of these two teams. And I guess I'm kind of, uh, you know, as a question for you guys, I'm wondering, is Casey Thompson an upgrade from Adrian Martinez or not? Because Martinez was so... Uh, you know, he had the big play worthy, but he was also so turnover prone. I don't know. It's a it's a fair question. But for me on this one, I don't want to bet this game. I just want to watch it. I tend to side with you on this. Uh, Parker, this line opened at Nebraska as a 10 point favorite. Uh, the total was 54 and a half. So it's dropped four and a half points on the total. And it's actually gone up three points on the spread. A lot of people look at that game from last year and just think that Nebraska should be able to dominate again. Uh, but again, Kyle asked the question, is Casey Thompson an upgrade over Adrian Martinez? They ran for just an absolute gargantuan amount of yardage last year against Northwestern. Uh, but maybe some things change with that Jamel Neal defense, maybe. Uh, give me your thoughts, Parker. So I think that there are a couple issues here. It's kind of a um, a fun litmus test for the offseason. I think if this game was closer to 11, 11 half, kind of in between that 10 range, I definitely would, would be staying away or, or leaning towards Nebraska. But I like Northwestern here for a couple of reasons. One, last season, their offense was 123rd in starting field position. They began drives on average worse than a touchback. That's something you could fix in the offseason. That's something that if we're going to give a coach a benefit of the doubt, we're going to say Pat Fitzgerald has shown a, a history of kind of cleaning up his teams year over year. He hasn't had... Um, consecutive bad seasons except once and those are both five and seven kind of borderline a couple one score losses so the, the especially early in the season we're, we're giving Northwestern the benefit of the doubt I do believe there's some positive regression on EPA per rush uh, or the rush defense overall last season a really big split for Northwestern 56 against the pass 109th against uh, the rush and EPA per play that's going to adjust a little bit as teams aren't able to just absolutely run over them there's going to be some more selection issues um Another thing that really comes into, I, I, you know, I have this by about Nebraska by about 10 points. I like Northwestern to cover here. Pace is a really big issue. Last season, Northwestern ran uh, uh, 53.1% of early downs. That's 57th in the nation. Nebraska, uh, 543 so 66th. We might see some increased uh, attempts at passing efficiency from uh, Nebraska with uh, Whipple coming in. But Casey Thompson had more turnover-worthy plays than Adrian Martinez last year in an offense that had a lot better surrounding context and um, uh, an offensive line that wasn't as bad as Nebraska's. So there, there's a lot of volatility walking in. I think we'll learn a lot about Adrian Martinez kind of seeing Casey Thompson, who's generally an average quarterback, go into that offense and see what's going on. Also, I really don't want to cast too much doubt on Nebraska, but um, th th there's an argument that we saw Pitt's offense under Mark Whipple without um, Jordan Addison and without Brennan Marion as a wide receivers coach. And uh, we saw it with both of those guys and they were drastically different. How much of that is the Whipple effect? How much was he able to adapt? How much was he just relying on and learning from people around him? That That's an open question. There's so much volatility about Nebraska. Um, uh, you know, so, so much going on in this season that'll be absolutely crazy for them. But I really think that Northwestern has some positive regression coming. They play a frustrating style of defense and their offensive ceiling or excuse me, offensive floor should not be anywhere near as low as last season. So I have this just inside of 10 points uh, in favor of Nebraska money line, but I like Northwestern to cover um, uh, in this week one game. Kyle, I did have a question for you if I'm able to uh, uh, pass over Gary and, and throw you one. Coaching effect. I know you like Pat Fitzgerald a lot and we're maybe fading Scott Frost uh, recently. How does the coaching effect change when they're playing a game in like Ireland? I mean, just completely different. Uh, does that make it more important, less important, or are you saying we have no idea? I hate to speculate on this, Parker. This is, <laughs> I, I, Fitzgerald's a better coach than Frost. I don't think there's any question about that, especially with the talent he has. 
Um, having said that, we're going to Ireland, a place that neither one of these teams have been. It's not like in the NFL where they've gone over to uh, Wembley or something several times, and we know that you know Jacksonville's been there several times or something. Um, you know, this is something that is new to these teams. Uh, I hate to really speculate on this. I, you know, I tend to want to lean with Fitzgerald uh, against uh, Frost in general, but then I see how the last year's game went. And I see Northwestern's defense being such a problem, and I get nervous. So, Parker, I'm just going to root for you on this one and say that, you know, in general, I like Fitzgerald a lot more than Frost. So my default answer there is going to be Fitzgerald would do a better job. With all this time to prep and in a weird location, does it make it even more so? Uh, possibly. I mean, I guess we'll find out this weekend. Let's uh, let's go ahead and make this official. And Parker is going to ride with Northwestern plus 13 and I, I don't disagree with it. This is certainly the first game of the season. There's going to be a lot of people betting on it. I'm going to stay away on this one. Uh, although, if I had to make a choice, I'd probably side with you, Parker. Seems like a lot of love for Nebraska, and things are just insanely volatile with that. So I tend to stay away from it, but regardless, we will move on to the next game on the docket, and that would be UConn at Utah State. And the Aggies are a 27-point favorite currently. Total is 60. And who uh, UConn three and two against the spread as a road dog in 2021, zero and three against the spread as an August dog. Now <laughs> they have not played a ton of games over the past ten years in August, but uh, they have not covered a single one of them as they have started out the season early. Utah State two and one against the spread as a home favorite last year, but four and one against the spread against non-conference opponents last season. Uh, the first year of Blake Anderson went really really well. And this is a big number. But you start looking at what Utah State did on offense last year, and they return, of course, the quarterback, Logan Bonner. Uh, they do have some interesting stars here, some interesting guys that may be able to continue the explosive play rate. Uh, Alabama transfer wide receiver Xavier Williams, uh, Brian Cobbs from Maryland coming in. Those guys may be able to produce. It may take a minute for them to actually gel, though. This team was number one in the country in 30-plus yard plays in 2021. Uh, Blake Anderson, just a phenomenal job restructuring this team and getting the most out of that talent last year, winning the Mountain West Conference. UConn, however, new coach Jim Mora, eh, things look a little more dire. The defensive coordinator, Lou Spanos, just took a personal leave of absence last week, uh, so he will probably not be available for this game, it, it seems right now. You got 12 new transfers for UConn, et cetera. This is going to be an interesting, interesting game. Uh, new first game for the quarterback Robinson, uh, Roberson, excuse me, from Penn State uh, at UConn. So this is going to be going to be difficult, going to be tough for the UConn Huskies. But at Parker, we're going to start off with you on this. Uh, Utah State likes big plays. They took advantage of weaker teams quite a few times last year. They lost four of their top wide receivers. Uh, what do we look for in this uh, in this ball game? Utah State did lose some weapons on offense. They are one of about 23 teams in college football that's returning their starting quarterback, their head coach, their offensive coordinator, and their defensive coordinator. And they got transferred Levi Williams from uh, Wyoming, which is something just to watch from a football sense. I wonder what Blake Anderson's able to do, kind of uh, goal line package, uh, maybe something interesting with Williams. We certainly saw his his legs be a, and, a, and a good weapon. So um, looking at this game, this is a pretty big line. One one thing that I, I point out in, in looking at this matchup is last season, Utah State was... Um, on defense, they were 128th in first downs allowed on first and second down, but they were third in third and fourth down success allowed. So that is kind of living and dying on the margin there. That makes me a little bit nervous about sustainability because uh, third down, you know, that, that kind of third down consistency is is really, really tough to replicate. UConn, of course, absolute disaster. They're 129th in third and fourth down success. Um, and so not, not like there's a matchup exploitation there, but something to look at is, I mean, Utah State was just so good on third downs. On the flip side on offense, Utah was, uh, Utah State, excuse me, was 23rd on third and fourth down success last season, 90th on uh, percent of first downs on first and second down. So they really weren't, uh, you know, they're getting the big play or they were uh, surviving on, on third down. So again, that is living at the margin on both sides, margin on both sides of the ball. Um, I, I think that they should continue to be good. Maybe last year was a little bit um, kind of hitting a ceiling. There is some turnover on offense, like you mentioned. Uh, I, I think they should win this game handily. I'm just not <laughs> prepared to bet a, a line this big uh, to, to start the season with so much uncertainty with UConn. What will Utah State want to put on film? What will they want to show? How soon will the backups come in? Um, and so this is, this is a really 
really big line. I mean, U- Utah State, you know, should should handle UConn pretty easily. Um, but as far as that, as far as that total uh, or that line, I don't have a play here. Yeah, it, it, the line has not moved at all. It, it opened at twenty seven. It is still sitting at twenty seven. Uh, the total opened sixty and a half, and it's come down half a point. It, Kyle, let's move over to you. It, you know, looking at a total on something like this. Uh, does it just kind of come down to what Parker was just talking about? You know, do they really want to put a lot on film? Do they know that they can get through this game, Utah State speaking? Uh, do they know that they can get through this UConn game without having to do a whole lot uh, and maybe don't want to run that score up? How would you look at this game? Well, I mean, Utah State playing Alabama and their next game probably matters as well. You know, in the second half, they might want to let off the gas a little. I don't think that they actually think they can beat Alabama, but why would they want to run up the score on UConn when they're going to play Alabama in the next game? Uh, That would worry me if I was taking it over here, because if they take their foot off the gas, then that could really hurt, because I don't know that UConn can score that many points here. Um, Jim Mora Jr., uh, I didn't think he did a great job at UCLA, but he, I think he has a chance long-term to do a good job with UConn. It's just not going to happen fast at all. And, uh, you know, Blake Anderson's a fantastic coach, a guy I like to root for a lot. Uh, they have a great quarterback room in general. They have three really good quarterbacks. Uh, Williams comes over, and he's probably their third-best quarterback, but like Parker said, he can do some things with his legs as well. And he, as you mentioned, Gary Williams is a really good transfer and a wide receiver. Uh, you know, both of these teams played really quick last year. UConn was 15th in tempo, and Utah State was 11th. I really don't think that UConn wants to play extremely fast, and I think we should say that some of that was game state, too. UConn was getting their butts handed to them every game, so, you know, you have to play a little bit quicker at some point. So I think they want to slow down and play a lower-scoring game. I just don't know that they can. And as Gary mentioned, you know, first in plays of 30 yards or more for Utah State with 43 last year, which is tremendous. I would not feel feel comfortable at all betting UConn. Uh, I can't bet UConn in this game, but I can't lay this many points either. I think I would, uh, if I had to bet something here, I would lean toward taking Utah State in the first half. That's a that's a good point there. That's a very good point there. Uh, so no official plays on this one. So we will move off of Utah State and UConn, and we're moving over to a Big Ten Mountain West matchup. Wyoming heads to Champaign, Illinois. And the Fighting Illini favored by 10 currently. The total sits at 43 and a half. At, this is their first meeting. Illinois 6-1 and one straight up, 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven home openers. Uh, but last year, first year for Brett Bielema, 0-2-1 against the spread against non-conference opponents. At Wyoming 3-7 and seven against the spread in their last 10 as a road dog. So neither one of these setting up with any kind of trend lines here. Uh, Wyoming number 129 in returning production at 34%. They lost their top two quarterbacks, their top two running backs, the running back Valaday, two all-Mountain West offensive linemen are gone. They did bring in the quarterback Andrew Peasley from Utah State. He was the backup last year. Uh, Secondary lost six of their top seven. I mean, things just do not look good for Craig Bowles bunch. Uh, But on the other side, um, you know, Illinois not returning much on the offensive line either, but there is a significant talent gap at this point. Uh, the new offensive coordinator, Barry Lenny Jr., the quarterback, Tommy DeVito, is intriguing. Uh, running back, Chase Brown, just bona fide superstar at that position. Uh, Illinois, I'm very, very interested in. Uh, we we are going to look, and Kyle, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, this looks like this line should be significantly more. It opened at 9. It's moved to 10. I feel like Illinois should be about a two-touchdown favorite just looking at what Wyoming has coming back. But that coaching matchup between these two, it looks like the kind of game where both of them would love to just slow this thing down and and batter each other at the line of scrimmage. Does it kind of feel the same to you, Kyle? Sure, yeah. And I think the total being so low is why this spreads only at 10. I mean, you get a total of 43 and a half or 44. It's hard to lay a ton of points. But, you know, I think both of these guys are pretty good coaches. Craig Bowles a really good coach, but he doesn't have that much to work with. He has his work cut out for him this year, for sure. Uh, Xavier Valaday was Wyoming's second leading rusher all time. Uh, really big loss. And, you know, Williams, he switches teams over to uh, Utah State. And then they have Peasley come in, and I think that's a downgrade. So the offensive line is weaker uh, than they were last year, for sure. And really, usually that's their strength, is they just run behind that offensive line. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult. They lose a star running back. Uh, the offensive line's weaker. 
And we should point out that Chad Mumaw, the star at uh, linebacker, now plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, he made a lot of tackles last year, cleaned up a lot of messes. I think that's a massive loss. I mean, these guys gave up 4.6 yards per carry with him in the lineup. Now they're thin on the defensive line. They don't have him. Uh, I think Illinois is going to run the football over and over again here. I think Chase Brown is a superstar at running back, like far better than most people think he is. And really, McCray and uh, Love are pretty good second and third string options. Illinois should be able to run the football here. I'm not sure what to make of DeVito in the passing game. I don't know that it's going to matter a whole lot in this game. It may later on, certainly. But I think Illinois will run over uh, Wyoming in this one. The other thing is uh, Walters is a really good defensive coordinator. He did a great job last year. Defense only gave up 3.78 yards per carry in the Big Ten. I think that's really impressive considering how many good offensive lines and good running games they played in the Big Ten. Uh, I don't think Wyoming has the offensive front to run on Illinois like Illinois will on them. And uh, yeah, I think it's just a massive talent gap. So I have to lay the 10 here with Illinois. Hey, you brought up that Wyoming offensive line. Uh, they lost three starting offensive linemen. They only have three that played more than six snaps last year. Just it, definitely not what you want to see going into a Big Ten team's house. Uh, Parker, you know, that Wyoming defensive line, uh, there's only three guys that played 100-plus snaps last year. Not a lot of experience over there. Uh, they've only got one linebacker that played 100 snaps last year coming back. Uh, things just do not look great. Uh, Parker, give me give me your thoughts on the Cowboys and the Illini. Yeah, so I, I definitely have um, the O-line issues and some some flags about Illinois uh, as, as filed away for later in the season as we think about depth and we think about sustainability and we think about totals for sure. In terms of this game, I think there's an absolute talent advantage for for Illinois, especially with the returning, um, the discrepancy in returning production that, that Wyoming kind of lost their core. Um, Wyoming last season really only could run the ball well. They, um, on offense, were, were 21st in, in EPA per rush. They were 94th in EPA per pass. They ran the ball 67 percent of early downs that was 124th slowest in the nation um i don't believe that they're going to be able to play man ball and keep up with illinois here on the flip side um illinois uh offense last season only only rushed well um and uh, 120th in early down rush rate 49th in epa per rush 106th in epa per pass they can maintain some of that rushing success maybe even sacrifice a little of that rushing success and open up the passing game just a little bit take an incremental step forward i really think that um th they'll be they'll be much more lethal on offense and uh maybe even uh competitive on offense not to say too much of a, a bold statement about illinois there but this is a developmental program um uh, Brett Bielema, for, for all of his um, faults, uh, you know, knows how to build a program, has shown that he uh, is at least capable of doing that. Illinois seems like a program that could kind of run this beefy uh, Bielema-style ball and, and do that well. I think they'll run a lot of base offense here. I think they'll try and create advantageous pass situations for DeVito and see if they can get some of that base offense going, some of those consistent um, plays going. One thing to look at, that's another just huge discrepancy here. Last season, Wyoming 122nd in starting field position on offense. Illinois 16th in field position allowed. Wyoming is going to be back against the wall. They're going to have to rely on passing to try and dig out of a hole. I, I'm trusting Illinois' defense here to make that very uncomfortable for Wyoming. And uh, I expect a big a big rushing performance from Illinois and maybe some surprise in the in the passing game as well. So I, I like Illinois with, with 10 here as well. Let's make it official. Parker and Kyle both riding with the Illini by 10 in this game. I am going to stay away from it. Uh, I think that I may be a little biased towards Craig Bowl. I think that's it, because it looks like this should absolutely be in favor of Illinois, uh, but I'm going to stay away from it. So let me go ahead and remind everybody, the podcast, the Bet U.S. football show. You can get it on any of your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is, that has the NFL feed and the college football feed, all of your best bets for the week. Go ahead and make sure that you're subscribed there. Also, a lot of people in the chat. I see Hugo, I see Mark, I see Bruce, I see Fernando, etc. Uh, you guys jump in with your questions. We will do a Q&A at the end of the show. Along with that, make sure that you like the video. I see uh, we're, we're up there, but there's still more people watching than there are actually liking the video. So give us that thumbs up, and it, it certainly helps out as far as algorithms or whatever crazy computer stuff you've got going on. Uh, subscribe to the channel. And make sure and hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. But I will tell you again, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, next week, we will have two shows. This week, only today. Not exactly a full slate this week. So we'll move on. And let's move over to Conference USA. Charlotte at Florida Atlantic. 
and FAU is a seven-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 57.5. Now, this opened FAU minus 5.5, and and the total has stayed the same. So it has moved in the favor of FAU. Uh, Last season, FAU won this 38-9 over Charlotte. Post-game win expectancy for Florida Atlantic in that game was 100%. It was complete domination in the second half. At halftime, it was 9-7 to Charlotte. It was very strange. Uh, but Will Healy's bunch, 0-5-1 against the spread in their last six as a road dog. They have not fared well on the road. They do return the quarterback, Chris Reynolds, along with the wide receivers, Tucker, Dubos, and the running back, uh, uh, Bird. Had to remember the name. Uh, but they weren't able to do a lot against FAU last year or against teams that were significantly more talented. And FAU certainly looks like they are the more talented team here. Nikosi Perry... Big play running back Johnny Ford, the wide receivers Burton and Wester, who were responsible for the majority of FAU's explosive plays last year, uh, along with four starting offensive linemen. The offense for FAU certainly looks good, and the defense appears to be really good as well. Uh, We're going to start off with you, Parker, on this one. Um, I am curious what you think about Charlotte here. There is explosive potential. There is big play potential for Charlotte, but that defense does not look like it has improved a lot. Uh, you're hearing stuff out of fall camp, not exactly positive, not exactly glowing in favor of the defense, and you were hoping that they would take at least some steps forward. If they can't do anything on defense, is is Charlotte able to keep up in this game? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so th- I think this one, Charlotte's a really interesting case. They you know, made a, made a higher defensive coordinator, maybe trying to turn some things around. The defense last year was just really, really bad. But also, I, I think the offense was really bad as well. I, I pulled this one up because this was a game that, that kept me awake um, last season because I had this predicted as FAU by just under a touchdown, and it was a complete blowout. Charlotte in that game last year uh, had three first and goals at the uh, inside the FAU 10 and came away with three total points there. Just completely not what you would expect in terms of finishing drives, really just weren't able to get it done um, in, in a game that my, my post-game win probability was actually a little bit uh, not close to 100 for, for FAU because <laughs> Charlotte had so many opportunities, right? And they just couldn't finish them, and then the defense got gassed in the second half. If you're betting Charlotte here, you're betting two things, I think. One, uh, that the offensive run game can get a little bit more success and uh, free up those explosive plays in the pass game. Last season, Charlotte's offense was 67th in EPA per rush, but they were 88th in rushing success rate. So they were only breaking off big runs, but they couldn't get that successful, hey, we need three yards here, hey, we need four yards here to break that off. If Charlotte can improve that run game a little bit, that really frees up the explosive pass game. That takes some pressure off of the defense as well. So you're betting that happens, and then you're betting the experience with the defensive coordinator uh, induces a little bit of positive regression on defense. Maybe Charlotte isn't just absolutely getting blown away. They were 129th in EPA per pass, 118th in EPA per rush last year. Football success is developmental. Will Hilly's a, a developmental guy. If if you think that Charlotte's defense is is or programs moving in the right direction, their defense won't be uh, just as hapless as last year. So explosive offense, raise the raise the floor a little bit with a little bit better run game. Maybe avoid some of those three and outs that just got your defense right back on the field. And uh, and, and if they can if finish those drives a little bit better. I really think Charlotte's offense should be able to keep them in a game here. That being said, I, I have heard the uh, defensive line concerns. I need a little bit more information on Charlotte. So uh, I, I think there's there's a path, uh, and I would lean towards betting Charlotte here, but I'm going to stay away from an official play just because there is so much uncertainty about that defense. I, uh, I am going to ride with FAU. I, I really like FAU minus seven, but I want to get Kyle's thoughts on this. Uh, FAU brings in new D.C. Todd Orlando. If he can just keep the defense about the same as it was last year, that would certainly be a good thing. Uh, And the new offensive coordinator, Brent Deerman, of course, was the offensive coordinator at Kansas under Les Miles. Uh, Did some really creative things. that had some explosive plays for a hapless Kansas Jayhawks team. Uh, Now he's the offensive coordinator here at FAU. If he can maybe progress Nikosi Perry a little bit, that would certainly be welcome down in Boca Raton. Uh, What are your thoughts on this game, Kyle? Yeah, first, I think Healy is a coach I respect quite a bit. I think he he is a good coach at getting the most out of his talent. 
the defense, though, I mean, 5.9 and 5.4 yards per carry the last two years. They had 21 sacks combined the last two seasons. I mean, that's just atrocious stuff from the defensive line. The secondary gives up a ton of plays, obviously not helped by the fact that there's no pressure on the quarterback. But Charlotte allowed 39 plays of 30 yards or more last year. That was 124th in the country. And last year when Florida Atlantic won 38 to 9, they averaged 8.4 yards per play. So uh, some really big play offense there. Now, Dearman, the new offensive coordinator, coordinator, I would expect that they would play quickly. He's always played fast everywhere he's gone. Uh, you know, Taggart is an interesting character. He thinks this offensive line is really good. I do want to say Taggart not, does not have a good history with offensive lines. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's the best uh, at understanding what is a good offensive line or not. It probably won't matter in this game. And I would tend to think that Florida Atlantic scores quite a few points here. My lean would be Florida Atlantic on the side. And I would like a Florida Atlantic team total. The team totals aren't out yet, but I'd take an over on Florida Atlantic team total here, probably in the range of 32 or something like that on the team total. So I think they will score a lot of points. They'll play quickly. Chris Reynolds, uh, who seems like he's been here for a really long time for Charlotte, uh, good decision maker. I think he's a solid scrappy player. Uh, I think the talent gap is pretty big here between Charlotte and Florida Atlantic in a game that I think we'll see quite a few possessions. Uh, you know, seven's not too many points. So my lean would be Florida Atlantic here. And that's uh, my, uh, we'll go ahead and make it official. My official play on this is FAU covering the seven. Uh, didn't like it as much at seven and a half. It dropped back down a little bit. My line on it is closer to 10. So I think talent will win the day. Uh, Parker, I think initially liked the FAU minus seven, but Parker, Go ahead and correct me. You're going to stay off this one. I uh, yeah. I, let's let's not call this an official play. I think I uh, <laughs> a little early season kinks can work out there. But um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not going to go an official play there. Okay, that sounds good. We we will correct it on the graphics. Uh, but yes, I'm I'm going to ride with it. I like FAU minus seven. I uh, already got my money, so <laughs> that works for me. We'll move on from there, and we are going to stay in Conference USA. Another. Conference battle for week zero, North Texas headed to UTEP. This one is a pick'em. It's 9 p.m. Eastern time at uh, on stadium, excuse me, and it's a pick'em, and the total is 55. Now, it looks like a pretty high total, but, uh, you know, last year, 20-17 to 17 win for North Texas. There were some chances blown by both teams. Otherwise, it would have been a little more high scoring. Uh, North Texas 5-0 and oh against the spread last year on the road. And UTEP one and three against the spread in the last four games to end 2021. Uh, this is an interesting, interesting spot. UTEP, of course, lost Jacob Cowing and Justin Garrett, the two big play wide receivers. Uh, they do bring back the quarterback Hardison. They do bring back the wide receiver Tyron Smith, who was explosive in his own right. Uh, they did lose a ton of offensive firepower. So North Texas did lose the running back uh, DeAndre Torrey as well, but the quarterback Austin On comes back. Uh, four offensive line starters are back for them. They do bring back the other three running backs and three starting wide receivers. So North Texas uh, definitely looks good. Defense was the strong suit. They do lose uh, the Murphy brothers on the defensive line. Kyle, I want to start off with you on this. Uh, these are two teams where defenses led the way for most of last year. Both lose, you know, some pretty significant pieces. Uh, I'm going to bank that UTEP owed a lot to Jacob Cowing and Garrett. Right. North Texas looks like the more talented team. Give me your thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cowling and Garrett were tremendous. I think massive losses. And if you look at UTEP's way that they moved the football last year, they were not consistently good. They were third in explosiveness in the country. So you're going to lose some of that with losing Cowling and Garrett. No doubt about that. Um, I think the the miners are going to struggle a lot more on offense than they did last year. Now, their defense is kind of a split. I think they'll be really good against the run. Their secondary is a big question mark for me. Um, you know, is North North Texas the type of team that can throw it all over you? Probably not. Austin on is almost 30 years old. It's crazy. Uh, you know, they return eight starters on offense. Uh, I want, want to say that I think the thing about North Texas that kind of gets overlooked sometimes, their offensive line is really good. I think this is a very good offensive line. 13th best in the country and havoc allowed no big negative plays they allowed just 15 sacks all year last year they were plus 23 in sack margin now they might not be that big of a plus because i don't think their pass rush will be as good this year but north texas has a really good offensive line now it's kind of strength on strength there because utep their defensive front is very good 
Um, you know, I lean North Texas in this game, but uh, UTEP has a good home field advantage. Tough place to play. Um, you know, I like Latrell. Uh, I like both of these coaches pretty well. I think these are both teams I would rather bet on. So I kind of hate this kind of situation because I don't like to bet against the team that, I, that I'm looking to bet on in general. So uh, I like North Texas. My lean would be North Texas here. I think their offensive line is good enough to win them this game probably. But like I said, UTEP's a tough place to play, so I'm going to pass. Especially on a Saturday night in El Paso, that crowd can get a little rowdy. And we do appreciate that about this sport, of course. Passionate fans. UTEP, of course, made it to a bowl game last year uh, for the first time, and it seems like forever. Uh, but, again, you lose Cowing, you lose Garrett. It, those two big play guys may have opened up things for the rest of that offense, and they weren't exactly consistent last year, as you mentioned, Kyle. Parker, let me get you in here on this. Um, you know, again, UTEP, it seemed like big play after big play, but there was no consistency to it. And once you got into a little bit later in the season, they really only got wins last year against teams that were awful. And North Texas uh, is not awful, right? So <laughs> at least in my in my purview. So give me your thoughts here. Tell me, uh, tell me about Seth Luttrell and Dana DeMello's bunches. North Texas came on strong down the uh, down the stretch. They looked hapless in the beginning of the season, and they ended you know five five wins there in a row. Um, lost lost a bowl game, but uh, generally, I think that they're kind of trending um, upwards and in the right direction. One one stat that I flagged about UTEP was just their their uh, defense last season was was pretty good. Was their stronger unit? You know, top twenty five unadjusted for opponent EPA per play. But um, there's a really big split. Their rushing defense was really good, 16th, and they're uh, in EPA per per rush. But in EPA per pass, they were you know almost 50th, and so kind of a split there. But when you look at how opponents attacked them, there wasn't an obvious difference in um, you know run pass splits. Most teams still ran a ton against UTEP, even though UTEP's run defense was a lot better than its secondary. So I wonder if that uh, that won't change this season if if teams will try and attack them a little bit more in that secondary and and spread things out. Uh, the other thing for me that I just don't love about UTEP, 108th and offensive success rate so super explosive especially in the past but that epa per rush for as good as for as good as the passing explosiveness was was 109th in the nation so um, i'm expecting them to take a huge step back on offense um and utep i or excuse me north texas i think in the right uh, in the right direction on offense will be able to kind of uh, you know, move away from from that rushing 65% of early downs, pass a little bit more, and uh, and get some more consistency out of the offense while their defense is still improving. So um, if, if this is a pick and this is close, I, I like North Texas here. I think they're going in the right direction. I think UTEP's got a little bit to figure um, figure out about itself this, this fall. Let's go ahead and make it official. I am going to ride with North Texas. Parker's going to ride with North Texas. Kyle's going to sit this one out. And I totally understand it. Uh, anytime there's a pick em and you're going against the home team, it gets a little uh, questionable. But Parker and I both feel that North Texas is the better team. So we will ride with that one. Now, let me go ahead and remind everybody, like the video, subscribe to the channel if you've not already. Uh, the likes are going up. We certainly appreciate that. The viewership is growing as we are doing it right now. Go ahead and hit that like button for us. And make sure that you jump into the chat for the Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, we do have people that are curating those and whatnot, but we will continue to look through and uh, answer as many questions as we possibly can afterwards. Hit that notification bell. Again, subscribe to the channel and uh, and subscribe to the podcast as well. Now, we move on, and we're going to move a little further out west. Not much, but we're going over to New Mexico State. Nevada on the road, a nine-point favorite, juiced at minus 115 at New Mexico State, and the total sits at 50 on this one. Nevada won this game last year, 55 to 28. Now, New Mexico State did cover the plus 30 for me. I don't know if anybody was watching last year, but uh, but I did get that one. New Mexico State 0-3 as a home underdog last year, 0-3 against the spread. Nevada 5-1 against the spread on the road in 2021. This is not the same Nevada team. I will go ahead and tell you that. Uh, this Jerry Kill versus Ken Wilson coaching matchup is a complete mismatch in favor of Jerry Kill However, the roster is a mismatch as well. Even with as much as Nevada has lost after Jay Norvell moved over to Colorado State, uh, the, the roster strength still clearly favors Nevada over New Mexico State here. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. This, this line opened at Nevada minus 14.5 with a total of 55.5. It is down to Nevada as a nine-point favorite and the total of 50. 
Uh, we are seeing a lot of love for New Mexico State here. What have you got? Well, I, I think first of all, we should say that what these two teams did last year means absolutely nothing. I mean, it's just <laughs> throw it completely out. Nevada is nothing like what they were last year. Uh, they returned six starters overall, two on offense. They're going to be way, way worse this year. I think. Well, this let is me a interrupt team. you. That you can actually go ahead and knock that down because it's only one on offense now because they're they're all Mountain oh, West true. Conference offensive lineman is out for the season uh, with yeah. a knee injury, and then the uh, the safety. Jawan uh, Claiborne, he's out for the season as well. So you're down to four starters now total as opposed to six. So continue on. Well, and Gary and I both took Nevada on the season win total under, and that is one of my plays that I like quite a bit. Uh, I will say if New Mexico State was still plus 14 and a half, this would have been one of my plays for this week. You know, plus nine is a pretty big difference from 14 and a half. And I do think it makes sense that it's moved this way. You know, I would imagine Nevada will try to be very run heavy this year. They have a couple good running backs. That's about the only strength you can find on their offense. The problem for me is their offensive line is going to be a major problem. Now, that might not be as big of an issue in this game because New Mexico State is weak defensively, especially on the line. But I do think bringing in Jerry Kill, I would expect New Mexico State to look completely different. Number one, I think they'll be better at stopping the run than they were last year. Uh, it's hard to be too much worse, but in a neutral game state, I would expect them to be bottom 10, maybe even bottom five in tempo. They're going to try to stall, run the football over and over again, try to play low scoring games. Uh, their quarterback room is very weak as New Mexico State's. Uh, you know, I think the uh, when this one was in double digits, I definitely would have taken New Mexico State. I still lean their way because I'm so anti-Nevada, but it's hard to take it at plus nine. You know how bad the New Mexico State roster is. Uh, you know, I've seen worse bets than than uh, New Mexico State. I don't want to lay points with Nevada anytime this year, so I, I will not be taking Nevada. But I can't pull the trigger at this number. Uh, I think both the line moves makes make a lot of sense here. I, I tend to agree with you on this. Uh, the quarterback, it looks like, for New Mexico State will be Diego Pavia. Uh, he's a transfer in from New Mexico Military Institute, a junior college. They won a national title, uh, but I don't know exactly what division or whatever it may be. Uh, the offense for New Mexico State, they lost the quarterback, Johnson, and they lost eight wide receivers. The top eight wide receivers that they had are gone from last year's team, which is bananas. They're number 130 in returning production on offense, but number nine on defense with 84% returning. Uh, the defense was bad. Parker, uh, have you? when's the last time we've seen a split like that where the defense brings back you know, top 10 returning production and the offense is just dead last. Is there anything even comparable to this? Yeah, and and, and roster composition matters a lot too. So I, I, in terms of like who, yeah, the, the, this is this is just a kind of absurd and a weird position um, over overall. I, I, it, it's probably close to unprecedented if it's not uh, not exactly. Um, I just don't know that uh, you can trust either either team here. And and Nevada is kind of the unfortunate reality of one they they were going to take a step back even if Norvell stayed because they were losing quarterback Carson Strong. They were losing a lot of return production anyway. And to um, change coaching staffs, change identity, uh, moving away from the air raid um, and that that normative commitment. You know they were fourth in early down rush rate last year to a more run heavy team. Even even if that could be long term more successful. Um, it's just going to be a really, really rough transition here. That being said, we've, we've, uh, you know, New, Me New Mexico doesn't have the roster to really, um, compete super strongly. They were, you know, uh, 115th or worse in basically every category you can measure last season. Um, and so I think that this is, this is a game between two teams who are really struggling to find themselves. Um, I have a slight lean towards uh, New Mexico State being able to cover just because I don't think either team is going to score very much. Um, and you might you might flirt with an under here as well, again, because both of these offenses are really, really going to be struggling uh, this, this season. The uh, average quarterback height, by the way, for Nevada this year is <laughs> six foot seven and a half because Nate Cox is six foot nine. So that game will be on ESPN2 at 10 p.m. Eastern time Saturday night. Just you know, maybe tune in, take a look at how tall this dude is because he is going to tower over that offensive line. Uh, but no official plays on this one. Uh, so we will we will move along and we will hit the last game of today's show. That would be an SEC team traveling down to Hawaii. Vanderbilt, a six and a half point favorite, total of 55 at Hawaii. Hawaii, yes, 11 and one against the spread in their last 12 home openers. However, 
This is a completely different Hawaii team after, of course, all the mess that happened with Todd Graham. The new head coach, Timmy Chang, uh, has a lot of rebuilding to do. I mean, you look at the returning production here. At Vanderbilt is number 27 in returning production. They're bringing back 73%, but they did replace both coordinators. Uh, on the other side, Hawaii is number 131 in returning production, 25%. I mean, it is just, they're basically starting from scratch here. It, it does not look good for the Warriors. Uh, gentlemen, we'll, we'll start with you on this one, Parker. Uh, you know, this line opened Vandy at two and a half. It's up to six and a half. The total has stayed the same. At, Vanderbilt at least returns some stuff, second year in Clark Lee's system, et cetera. Uh, the new quarterback is going to be uh, right, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. He did play quite a bit last year towards the end of the season. Mobile, et cetera, but there's still questions around Vanderbilt, but there's a lot more questions around Hawaii right now. Give me your thought on the Warriors and the Commodores. Yeah, I mean, Hawaii is kind of a program in disarray right now. Um, just the state of their facilities, their state of their leadership, um, just a lot of a lot of issues here. They obviously, you know, have in the past been able to put together rosters that are um, feisty and maybe on par with maybe your median uh, Mountain West team. But this season, I don't think they're close to that. Vanderbilt uh, obviously has some holes, especially when you compare them to an SEC team and an SEC SEC schedule. Um, one big issue in trying to develop uh, an SEC program and build it up is just the physical demands of that schedule make uh, depth, uh, you know, magnify depth issues in this game. Um, I, I do think that Vanderbilt has the edge. Um, I don't know that I'm, I'm uh, super excited about putting money on Vanderbilt, especially they're traveling. Uh, and, you know, you're not, I'm not, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're making money. Um, on Vanderbilt this season, but um, I do think that they should be uh, markedly better from last year. What that looks like in the win-loss column, I'm not sure, but last season they weren't good at anything. They were 118th in EPA margin, 115th in offense, 110th in defense. That that you got to get good at one thing, right? That's kind of the the Bobby Bowden syllogism of you know you're getting crushed, then you have crushing losses, then you're winning, then you're winning big. Vanderbilt's going from we're bad at everything to we're kind of okay at one thing. Too. We're good at one thing and kind of okay at something else. They've got to make that progression and decide what's our identity. Are we going to have an offense that's going to compete? Are we going to have a defense that's going to compete? I think moving on from Ken Seals is probably raises their offensive floor uh, a little bit just because um, there were so many um, just kind of disastrous, catastrophic plays last season. Uh, but but this year, um, I, I again, not sure what the wins and losses look for Vanderbilt, but maybe a little bit more consistency here, um, a good opportunity for them to kind of work out uh, this this offense, but my numbers have this pretty close, even factoring the talent disparity. And so I don't have a strong play here just because I don't trust either team. Um, but we will get some information about what Vanderbilt might look like later this season. Uh, and, and if Hawaii will be the team to fade uh, kind of going on. And now that certainly does make sense. Kyle, uh, I was just alerted in the chat, of course, and had to double check. But yeah, Vanderbilt steamed out to an eight point favorite. I mean, we just checked this thing before we went live just a little while ago, and it was six and a half. So it has now jumped out to eight. Uh, I kind of liked Vandy at minus six and a half. I don't know that I love them as much at eight. Uh, this team, I mean, Vanderbilt was five and one against the spread in their last six games last year. They were showing some signs of improvement as the season went along. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one, Kyle. Man, uh, you know, somebody loves Vanderbilt a lot here. And I, I know Vanderbilt's an SEC team. Uh, the problem is Vanderbilt in the SEC is so far below everybody else in the SEC that it's kind of hard to just say, well, they have SEC talent. They're tremendous. I mean, their talent is way worse than a lot of the, the SEC in general. Just uh, there's levels to S SEC talent and Vanderbilt's at the bottom there. So um, do I want to bet Hawaii? No, I don't want to bet Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii has so much going wrong. Uh, two starters return on defense. They actually weren't that bad on defense last year, Hawaii. Um you know, I think that they'll want to play hard for Chang. Uh, you know, they had the poor situation with Graham, uh, never been a fan of Graham. And now they get Timmy, Timmy Chang, a really tough job for Timmy Chang. I imagine they're going to play really hard. The question is, does that matter? And then what's the mindset of Vanderbilt in a game like this? Is this kind of a business trip, a chance to get a win, or are they having some fun on the island here? I think there are far too many questions to be betting a lot of money on this game. I, I'm really concerned for people who who want to lay a ton of money on this game because, uh, you know, anxious to lay more than a touchdown with Vanderbilt on the road. I mean, this is still Vanderbilt, but at the same time, Hawaii is not a team I want to bet on. Um, this is just a game that I, I have no chance. I, this would be 
be the one if you'd say, pick one game that you you have to pass on. This would be the one that I would have passed on for sure. Uh, you know, I do think Vanderbilt will probably be able to run the football here. They are decent at running back. If their line can do a good enough job, I imagine that's their path to victory. And I would have said my slight lean was Vanderbilt minus the six and a half, but eight, I can't do it. I'm, I'm the same position you are. Uh, eight just seems like too much. But at the same time, again, talent edge certainly goes with Vanderbilt. Uh, everything seems to be leaning the direction of the Commodores here. But uh, but we have no official play on this. We're going to stay away from that one. Whew. And it is time for us to jump into the Q&A. And I am excited about this. We have got quite a few people in the chat. We certainly appreciate you guys. If you've not already, again, go ahead and like the video for us. We would appreciate that. It helps us out a ton. We're going to start off with this question. Uh, Kenneth Collins, love you guys. I already liked. This is for the Q&A. Uh, what are the Mississippi's chances to, or sorry, what are Mississippi's chances to get to the SEC championship game from there, the playoff be brutal boys. Well, uh, Ole Miss, uh, is, you know, how about this? Nobody really expected them to win 10 games last year. And if they had found a way to beat Alabama, they would have been in the conference title game. So you're looking at the, at the returning roster this year. It's a lot of transfers, et cetera. Do I put it past Lane Kiffin to be able to win 10 ball games again? Absolutely not. And anything is possible with that offense. I don't think it's likely, though. I look more at a 7-5 and five team after losing Jeff Lebby. But, again, you don't know how these things are going to mesh. Uh, Kyle, you got a thought on this one? Well, I mean, I'm looking at the Ole Miss schedule. The schedule starts really easy. I mean, this team could start 6 or 7-0 and 0 pretty easily. Uh, the, the end of the schedule, though, it gets a lot tougher. Um, you know, then you play at Texas A&M, home against Bama, at Arkansas, and Mississippi State is not an easy game either. So I, I think that Mississippi is a team that their ceiling is not quite high enough to be an SEC title game type team. But I think they could have a pretty nice record, even if their team is not as good as they were last year. Uh, Parker, what about you? Any thoughts on Ole Miss? Yeah, I had that um, that that back-to-back at LSU at Texas A&M uh, just before that bye week is, is brutal. Really rough schedule. I like what they've done at the transfer portal. Um, I think that where they are as a program, um, the SEC championship game, with, with being in the same division with Alabama and having such a stout division, the success is not measured by the uh, championship game. I don't, um, you know, it, it would be a real long shot for them to get there. I think that we're looking more of can they be that, you know, challenge for second or third. Um, but depth is depth is an issue down the stretch with with such a tough um, issue. I'm excited to see what they do with both running backs, having uh, Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley, who were both uh, very productive last season. But I don't have um, I don't I don't see uh, value or a high probability of them getting into that SEC championship game at all. Brick Fields jumps in. He said, "Would love to hear thoughts on Marshall's win total now that Ali has stepped away indefinitely, but will return later. Not sure it matters for the first five-ish games." But still, uh, Kyle, I know that you had Marshall over, if I'm not mistaken. Give me your thoughts here. Uh, the running back, I mean, he was like a top 100 player uh, for a lot of people. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so full disclosure, I had Marshall over seven personally. I bet back half of my bet here this morning on under seven and a half at even money, just so that if I get seven, then I could win one of the two bets, and I kind of hedge out of it a little bit. Um, would I really be excited to bet Marshall over now? Not, Not really. Uh, Marshall's problem is their offense. You know, we know they have a good defense. Now they just lost their star on offense at running back. Uh, who knows, based on the press release, who knows if he'll be back or when he would be back or anything. Um, I definitely don't like the Marshall over near as much as I did, but uh, I still think there's a path for seven or eight wins or possibly even nine because their defense is so good. They could be the best defense in the Sun Belt. So uh, I don't hate it, but I don't like it as much as I did. Uh, Parker, any thoughts on, on Marshall here? Uh, no, I, I again, run, uh, running backs aren't the most important position on the field. Running scheme uh, and offensive line is uh, really contends uh, or really de- determines their success. But at the G5 level, you can get some talent asymmetry. That means that an individual player, especially at the rushing position, can substantially raise your um, floor and ceiling. So this is a big blow for Marshall. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know that it's disastrous for their run run game, but it is definitely a, a limitation. Um, yeah. <laughs> Aaron Rod jumps in and said, any total parlays for week zero, LOL. Uh, Kyle, 
you, you looking at any totals that look uh, appealing, maybe, or any number that you might take if it uh, if it decides to move to that level? Man, uh, officially, definitely no totals parlays. I'm not a big fan of parlays. I've said this before, but um, <laughs> Florida Atlantic team total over would probably be my favorite of the team totals when they come out. Uh, I would consider Nevada team total under as well. So if you want to put some kind of pizza money on something, those are, those are the two that I would like the best. But officially, no totals parlays, and be careful with your bankroll. Yeah, week zero is definitely the pizza money gambling weekend for sure. F one twenty three says, "Do you see a path for Penn State to make the playoff? Considering getting people like Nick Singleton, uh, I will go ahead and start this, Parker. I'm going to put you in the on deck circle here. Uh, yes, there is a path for Penn State to make the playoff, in my opinion. But that offensive line has got to be way, way better, and you got to hope that Sean Clifford does not get hurt. I know that they've got Drew Alar." In waiting in the wings and everything, but I don't think he's quite ready for that yet. Uh, so keep everybody healthy, get the offensive line to gel a little bit better. Uh, Singleton, I don't think is what's going to fix the running back issue. I think that that's going to be the offensive line. Uh, Parker, give me your thoughts on this one. Penn State in their last uh, 36 games has two symmetrical runs of three and six and eight and one. So they've gone in their last nine games, they're three and six. And the nine games before that, they're eight and one. The nine games before that, they were three and six. And then they're eight and one. That doesn't mean anything. It's just kind of fun and kind of demonstrates uh, that one, they're a team that like when things are going right, they should be able to compete at the top level of the sport. The issue is that they can't get things to go right for an entire season. That's broke up. That, that stretch is broken up across the, you know, four, four seasons there. And uh, just really streaky, really flighty last season. They were cruising. They were up at Iowa at halftime and uh, Clifford gets hurt. And the team is just never the same. They bring in Tensley from, um, Western Kentucky wide receiver. I think that's probably the most important addition because then they get Parker Washington on one side, Tinsley on the other. A lot of opportunities in the past game to really press there. That'll free up the run game as well. Um, you look at their schedule. I mean, totally doable. Um, they uh, A team like Purdue, I'd rather get them earlier in the season than late in the season when they're kind of gelling. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they host Ohio State even if they do go to Michigan. So the path is there. The strength of schedule is there. I think the strength of schedule with what I hope and believe Central Michigan even is going to be, that even their, their kind of G5 knockoff games are going to be really quality. They'll be able to drop one and still get in the playoff, I think, if they win the Big Ten Championship. So that's a lot of leeway. That's more leeway than a lot of teams in the country have if they can get everything to go right. History suggests that they really have had a hard time kind of stringing together uh, 13, 14, 15 games of a season to to um, to capitalize there. But absolutely a path. They're definitely in the conversation. If I had to write a list of the teams that I, I thought would make the playoff in uh, 2022, they, they would definitely be on the you know, on the list of plausibility. So um, the, the vision is there. I would just worry about the execution. Uh, most certainly the last time that they were unranked in the AP or coaches poll was 2016. And they won the Big Ten and almost, almost made the playoff if they hadn't had to play pesky pit early in the season. So uh, we do have one last question here. Brickfields jumps in, said, thanks, guys. Last question, seven-point teaser option of Illinois, FAU, and New Mexico State. He said, uh, get minus three, pick them, and plus 16, or is New Mexico State too much of a wild card? I will tell you, uh, hopefully, you're just playing this for fun, but uh, – I think all of them are wild cards this weekend. We haven't seen any of them actually play yet. Uh, but, you know, New Mexico State, that, that roster is pretty, pretty bad. Uh, so, yeah, to me, that one looks like that. Kyle, do you have a thought on this teaser play? Yeah, and I see uh, the chat mentioned uh, Illinois. Somebody's betting Illinois right now. I don't know if somebody's watching the show or what, what the deal is here. But, um, yeah, I would say Illinois in a teaser doesn't bother me, and neither does Florida Atlantic. I am scared of putting New Mexico State in a teaser. I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen with New Mexico State. And in general, probably a different topic for another day. But I, I think teasers in the NFL are much better than teasers in college football. There's far more variance in college football. Um, these are college kids. We never know what will happen in one game sample size. So I would much rather play a teaser in the NFL than I would in college. But if you had to play a teaser, I think Florida Atlantic and Illinois are not bad ones here. Most certainly. That Illinois line, by the way, jumped from 10 to 11 in just a few minutes. Just so, yeah, it's all the way up at 11 at this point. Um, all right. So we are. Oh, we do have one more. Let me let me do this prediction on West Virginia versus Pitt. We'll hit that next week. I'll go ahead and tell you that. We're going to hit it next week. Remember, Tuesday and Wednesday, shows will be at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure that you tune in here and that you are subscribed to the channel. You hit the notification bell, so it'll let you know when we go live. 
And of course, you can jump in the chat, like the videos, etc. You guys are doing a good job liking this one as of right now. So we do appreciate that. Let's go ahead and do our picks recap. Now, we will start off. Uh, Parker, how about you give me yours right now? I like um, Northwestern to cover two, uh, two scores there, um, slow pace of game. And uh, I like Illinois to, to beat Wisconsin handily, so I'll take them minus 10. North Texas, uh, I, I think in a, in a pick them and straight up, they will be um, they're, they're, they're a good pick at UTEP this weekend. Now, my picks on this, Florida Atlantic, seven-point favorite. I think they win by more than that. I like uh, North Texas uh, in a pick them game. I think it, all they got to do is win by one point. I think they're the significantly better team, so I'm going to roll with North Texas. Kyle, what have you got this weekend? So officially, I'm going to take Illinois minus 10, and then I think I might put a little pizza money on North Texas at Pickham to root for the guys here, and I, I do lean that way as well. I do absolutely love it. All right, remind everybody again, like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you haven't already, subscribed to the podcast as well. You can find it under BetUS Football Show. Very easy to do. It's got the NFL show and the college football show put together. Jump in the comments afterwards. We want to know what your picks are on the games, what you like about this. Uh, we'll be in the chat, in the comments, typing back and forth, going over all the different things that you guys point out to us. Uh, but definitely let us know your picks. We are interested in that. We'll go ahead and get out of here. We actually did it in about an hour. Uh, we sometimes run long, as you will see next week. I would almost guarantee. But for right now, for BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we'll see you all again next week.